You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. We are on pins and needles as we sit here waiting for the schedule release. But as always, as we record on Wednesday afternoon, uh, the NFL has seen clear to leak a bunch of the scheduled games. Uh, so we'll talk about some roster battles, quarterbacks going head-to-head this uh, this summer, going into the fall. Uh, is Julio Jones on the move? You know, they've talked about it, but uh, we'll see where that's at. Let me bring in my partner here, Alex Kaptov. Alex, how are you? What's going on over there? I'm doing well. It's uh, it's beautiful. It's sunny. It's uh, spring. We're getting closer to the summer. You and I talked about it off the air. You know, it's time to go to the beach, whatever that beach is, the Atlantic Ocean, Pacific Ocean, or you've got a lake in your backyard. It's time to get out there. I'm, I'm waiting for more and more sunnier days ahead. So let's let's get into it. You know, the schedule release is coming out. Obviously, you know, it's kind of a, a dead time, if you would, in the NFL, if there even is a dead time anymore. Uh, some uh, rookie camps, I think the Jets already had there. So rookie quarterback was, was on the field, Zach uh, Wilson. As far as the games are concerned, so this is kind of a big deal. We've got a bunch of games I kind of just threw out as, as matchups. But like I said, games have been leaked. The opener is going to be Dallas at Tampa. We knew it was going to be Tampa, but I mean, obviously, there we go. Jerry Jones somehow weasels his way in. What do you think about that? The the game against New England is in New England. I had that one on there, so that was not going to be the opener. I figured Tampa Bay at home, but Tampa and Dallas. You got Dak coming in, Tom Brady. It doesn't get any better than that, obviously. I mean, you've got the Super Bowl champs against the the Dallas Cowboys, who seem to be a favorite for a lot of people in the NFC East just because Dak Prescott is back, and they've got a new defensive coordinator. And you know Jerry is pumping up. He's pumping his team up every year. Um, And you you know he's going to get Dallas excited. There's a huge fan base of the Cowboys fans everywhere not only in Texas. So why didn't they do the Chiefs versus the Bucks? I guess that was the question. I mean, you come back. Well, they're not on this. They're not on their schedule. So they couldn't do that. Well, hey, you, you could have worked this around. You've got a 17th game schedule yeah. this year. They had the seven, yeah, they added the 17th game. I think the Chiefs got the Packers for that game. And I, I would imagine all the Packer games are kind of... Again, as far as pins and needles that you're waiting on the whole Aaron Rodgers things to shake out, but uh, there's a lot of Green Bay games that are that are in the, on the slate for the year that uh, should be prime time. But would they be prime time with uh, Jordan Love? I don't think so. I mean, Jordan Love is not on the same <laughs> level as Aaron Rodgers. No, and well, that's what I'm saying. The I mean, Packers. They, it, the Packers should just forget about the playoffs if Jordan Love is going to be their starting quarterback in week one. No love for love. Okay. Let, that might be the name of this episode. So here we go. Uh, that's the opener. Then some other games week one. 
I had him on my list, but it was kind of a, you know, I don't want to say a revenge game, but kind of an interesting game with the Jets traveling to Carolina, the Sam Darnold Bowl. That will be a a one o'clock game on week one, Sunday. And I thought that was one of the more interesting matchups. Darnold against his old team, Zach Wilson making his first debut against the, the previous guy. I thought that was pretty cool that they threw that in week one. Is the game in New York? It's in Carolina. Oh, it's in Carolina. Well, I, I give the edge to to Sam Darnold just because of Christian McCaffrey's coming back, and and Carolina has got a better team than the New York Jets, and I'm sure Sam Darnold would want to stick it to the Jets and and win that one. One of the four o'clock games that really sticks out, especially to me, of course, uh, Cleveland at Kansas City rematch of uh, the divisional round, which was a, a pretty close game. Patrick Mahomes got knocked out of that one uh, late, but uh, you know Chad Henney came and saved the day. There was that controversial play at the goal line when Dan Sorensen hit the receiver and he fumbled it out of the end zone. The Chiefs got the ball, so Baker coming up against against uh, Patrick Mahomes. The Browns did a lot to improve their their defense in the offseason. Certainly, they'll still be able to run the ball as well as ever. So, you know, great opener. You know, I'd love to go to the game. I I was kind of wishing it was in Cleveland. I could drive over. But uh, anyway, yeah, there you go. Four o'clock week one. I don't remember as much excitement about the Cleveland Browns coming into this season because the hype is getting out of control. I mean, at this point, The Browns fans, they've always been suffering. Obviously, the team took a huge step forward last year with the new head coach, and they seem to have the complete team. A lot of it is going to depend on Baker Mayfield, obviously, at quarterback. They're not going to ask him to do too much, but teams are still going to stack the box and try to stop the run and and ask Baker to make plays, something that he was able to do down the stretch and and in the playoffs. But I don't remember the last time that there's been as much excitement about this Cleveland Browns team because it's getting out of control right now. I'm sure a lot of people, analysts coming into the season, are going to be putting the Cleveland Browns in the Super Bowl. I'm telling you, Lou. Well, there's certainly, I would think, would be favorites uh, to win that division. But by the same token, you've got Baltimore... And you're never going to count Pittsburgh out. You know, Cincinnati might be a little bit better, but I don't think they're going to contend for the division. Pittsburgh, I mean, I, you know, it all depends on that offensive line. You know, are they going to be able to run the ball? I mean, obviously, they couldn't count on Big Ben to carry the team throughout the, the end of last season. And it was just, you know, it was just ridiculous. But, but as far as the Browns are concerned, I guess my question would be, is the hype more now or, you know, the season leading up to the first year they had uh, OBJ? Because you remember then, I mean, it, it, then it was out of control. At least now they've shown that they can win some games. They've won a playoff game and they've got something to build on. So we'll see, you know, the the mistake on the lake. We just had the just had the draft there. So, yeah, go Browns. The Sunday night game is interesting. You got two of the you know biggest markets uh, TV markets, if you would, uh, Chicago at Los Angeles against the Rams. You know, looking at the play, obviously, you know, there's a chance, and we'll talk about these roster battles, but there's a chance it's Justin Fields, new quarter, new franchise quarterback for Chicago versus Matt Stafford, the new franchise quarterback for the Rams, SoFi Stadium. Odds are there's actually going to be fans there. I mean, th- this could be a pretty interesting Sunday night game. I just have a feeling the Rams are going to 
fall flat this season. There's a lot of excitement there. They wanted to get rid of Jared Goff. They brought in Matthew Stafford. Everything seems to be in place, but I'm just not buying it, Lou. I, I really am not. Stafford has never been the, the most winning quarterback in this league, and he's a very good player who was stuck on a bad team with the Detroit Lions, but I'm not buying that the guy could just switch teams and all of a sudden become like a Super Bowl type of quarterback. I'm just, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid right now. I'm not. Again, no love for Matt Stafford. So who's on our list so far? Jordan Love, Matt Stafford. Uh, we'll see. We'll see you some other time. But I, I, I liked, I've always liked Stafford. Uh, I don't know if he's going to actually put them over the top and bring them back to a Super Bowl right away. But if as they put putting pieces together, and I'm not looking at, at Tutu Atwell as being the big piece, but I, I look at somebody like a Van Jefferson making a huge jump. As he gets more action on the field, I think he's going to become, you know, that number two, number three receiver actually with Cooper Cup and uh, who's our guy from USC? Robert Wood. Bobby Trees. How could I forget him? But anyway, I think Van Jefferson is going to be the guy. Tutu Atwell, I think, will also fill in, and they're going to do some things with him. I mean, obviously they drafted him in the second round. They're going to they're going to give him the ball. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I I, I kind of like Stafford's chances there. I think I like them in that division, but it's going to be tough. Obviously, you know, San Francisco is going to be a lot better. Seattle's still there. Arizona's improving, so uh, they could easily win that division. They could easily finish fourth. So that's that's kind of the margin for error there. And then finally, the the Monday night game, which again, they kind of, that Monday night package, I don't know, but Baltimore, at least we get Baltimore, you get, you get Lamar Jackson at Las Vegas. The star for Las Vegas, I think, is going to be, again, the stadium, not so much the team or, you know, and Gruden still as a draw, you know, kind of the, the alumni from the, from the Monday night booth. But one of the things I read was interesting here regarding the stadium was uh, Steve Wynn, big Vegas guy, Atlantic City guy, you know, golden nugget going back to the 70s and 80s. But anyway, Wynn's Casino is going to have on-field boxes with bottle service and, and everything else. I mean, you can imagine the entertainment value in, in Las Vegas, but in the end zones. Again, the Al Davis mystique, everything else going there. Uh, it should be interesting. It should be a spectacle. And again, if there's fans there, it's going to be kind of nutty. Still say, as far as the Las Vegas side goes, it's the stadium versus the team, which isn't really going to do them very well moving forward in the season. I just can't imagine how this team is going to be in the playoffs. I mean, they're going to stink. It's going to take some time. People are going to get excited. Raiders fans, they're crazy. They're willing to you know, drive over and then come to the stadium. I'm sure it's going to be a spectacle to see another new stadium introduced, but I just, I don't have high hopes for the Las Vegas Raiders. All right. There were some other games of note that I guess to look for where they land on the schedule may shatter regular season uh, TV ratings, Tampa Bay at New England. I, you know, you just got to believe this is going to be a Sunday night game. The battle for this between the networks would be pretty uh, significant. I don't know that uh, CBS is going to give this up very easily, but I, I got to believe that's going to be a Sunday night game. Tom Brady going back to New England. I mean, that you can't script this stuff, and I think that's just going to be a spectacle. Is Bill and Tom going to shake hands? 
<laughs> and that's a question. Yeah. You know, before the game, or, you know, will they be chummy or will it be like after the game, just a f- quick fist bump and a yeah, good game, Tom. And then off the, off the field they go. I mean, based on what Bill, Bill Belichick has shown in the past, I have a feeling there is not going to be any love. You know, they're not going to hug this out. They're not going to like do a, a handshake out there. It doesn't matter who wins or loses. I just, I have a feeling that Tom might want to go over, but I don't think Bill Belichick is going to be too receptive of that. How do you think the crowd will be, though, when Brady comes out? I, you know, I, It'll be probably like 80-24 Tom. I, I, I really believe that. When Favre went back to Green Bay, you know that was a little bit of a surprise, but they gave him all sorts of love there. I think it's going to be kind of an 80-20. You're going to have just some diehards that just feel like he stabbed them in the back and just, you know, you're never going to change those people's minds. But I think 80% of them, at least, are going to cheer for him. Some other games going down. Yeah, it's some Kansas City flavor here. I don't know how that happened, but the Chiefs at Baltimore. I mentioned, you know, Green Bay going to Kansas City. That was an added game. I'm not sure where it's at. Rams in Detroit. I didn't see where the game was being played, but obviously you've got two quarterbacks that have moved facing one another. This is a very unique situation here. So Detroit and the Rams, one versus two, the the draft choices. Jacksonville plays the Jets. Buffalo at Kansas City, Buffalo at Tampa, Green Bay, San Francisco, Seattle, Green Bay. Ton of good games. Of those that I mentioned, Alex, any of them stick out to you? I mean, if one in particular. I want to see the the top two quarterbacks go at it. Uh, at each other obviously urban meyer versus robert sala you've got zach wilson versus trevor lawrence Uh, that's going to be exciting i mean the nfl is about the future and we have five quarterbacks taken in the first round and the nfl wants all these quarterbacks to succeed because you know young guys coming into the league and quarterbacks always get the the fanfare and it's going to be exciting just to see what the future holds for these top two picks all right, so later tonight uh, you'll all see you know where, where these games and uh, the rest of the schedule lands, and it's again an, an exciting day. It, again, there's no games going on, so obviously we need something to talk about. But the NFL kind of stretches things out further and further, and there is no off season. Prior to the draft, there was some some talk about perhaps uh, Julio Jones moving on. You know, quite frankly. You know, looking at the different dates that the NFL has in place, you know, pre-June 1, after June 1, this trade could already be in place, and they're waiting till after June 1st to announce it because of cap considerations. But by the same token, it could have just been, you know, trying to get extra draft picks for this year. So kind of an odd situation for a guy that's 32 years old. But I guess in my mind, it's not really the it's not the player. It's the contract and the fact of his age. But do you feel Julio is going to be moving on soon? I don't think so. I think if they wanted to do the trade, they would have done it during the draft or they would have worked something out before the draft. I just think that that was a perfect opportunity, a perfect chance. And maybe they were feeling it out. Maybe they were dangling him, and they just realized that nobody gave him the offer that just blew them away. I think Arthur Smith and the new Falcons coaching staff is is going to go into the season 
with Julio Jones on the roster. Look at the offensive firepower that this Falcons team has. And they didn't get the running back in the draft that I thought they needed. They signed Mike Davis and free agency. I look at those wide receivers. I look at the addition of Kyle Pitts. And I just feel like Arthur Smith is just going to unleash this thing. He's going to let Matt Ryan throw 35, 40 times a game. Because that defense isn't going to be any good. They're going to be coming from behind many times. They're going to be trailing. I just think you would need Julio on the roster in order to do that. And I realize why he was being dangled, his salary, his durability concerns. And he's had a lot of injuries through the years. And obviously they take their toll on on a 32-year-old's body. He's not 25 anymore. But I do think that he's going to stay with the Falcons this year. They would need to, to compete with the Saints the Bucks, the Carolina Panthers. I mean, those teams have the, the offensive coordinators. They do have the firepower. And I just think the Falcons, the, their greatest strength is the offense. And I just feel like Julio Jones needs to stay there. There's no way that they should trade him now. Well, let's look at it from the other side, you know, in terms of Atlanta and, and their, their team moving forward. If they are going to move him, I mean, his value is never going to be higher than it is right now. I mean, he's 32 years old. You mentioned that. He is injury prone. You, you mentioned that. I think in 10 years, uh, he's only played 16 games four times. If they trade him now for future picks, obviously, you know, they're building the team as they go. If they wait another seat, what if he gets hurt again? Or if, even if he doesn't get hurt, now he's 33. What are you going to get for him next year? Now, the point that I was making earlier was the pre-June 1, post-June 1. If they were to trade him before, they were going to have $23 million in dead money and no cap savings at all. Actually, it was still going to cost them another $200,000 to make the trade. Post-June 1, their dead money is only like seven and three quarters million. It would save them 15.3 against the cap, and then they'd have similar numbers for next year. Then you, you got to have a partner. You can't just say, well, we want to trade him and we're going to get a bunch of future picks. Well, somebody's going to have to give up picks for him. So that's the tricky part is really what are you getting here? You know, at Julio at 32, he's still a dominant player. He still flashes. I mean, you just think like, oh, my God, Julio Jones. I mean, he's one of the best receivers we've ever seen. And at times, again, he is great and he's going to draw all sorts of attention. But with the money that's that's allocated to him as a percentage, you know, of their total cap moving forward, they drafted Kyle Pitts, who isn't exactly the same player, not even close. I mean, he's got a ways to go and he plays a different position, but they have added another receiving option. From that standpoint, you can see what what Atlanta's thinking. But what would you be willing to give up if you're another team? Are you going to give up a first-round pick? Are you going to give up multiple twos? Are you going to give up maybe a one and a three? You know what? What is his value at this point? I'm not really sure, but there are a bunch of teams out there that are loaded with picks moving forward. If there was a trade partner, does anybody come to mind? I was trying to Green Bay. But again, you know, all this money and so forth, it's not the way they run their franchise. So I I couldn't come up with a team that was that would be willing to give up that kind of capital. I don't think anybody is going to be willing to give up that type of capital because he's coming off a really tough season. I mean, he was injured for most of it. 
And when he was on the field, he was more of a decoy. In my opinion, if I'm the GM of that franchise, I would want to raise the profile of Julio Jones again. I mean, you're looking at him. He's not 35 or 36. Let him get through the season healthy, which is a big asterisk. I mean, it is a big question mark whether he can. But right now, I think his value is low. You're not going to get a first-round pick for him. Nobody in their right mind would give up a first-round pick for Julio Jones. Maybe you give up a second next year, but is that enough? I think the Falcons are thinking that's probably not enough. I'm not saying they're pushing for a first-round pick, but I think they might be looking for multiple day-two picks, at least, for the future. I would say play him this year. You've got the new offense. You've got the offensive coordinator that will be able to feature him. Obviously, the big question mark if he can stay healthy, but I would bet on Julio move off of him next season because you know the Falcons want to get younger. They want to fix that defense. I think that's what I would do. Try to raise his profile because right now it's just you're selling at a low point. You want to sell a player when his his stock is high. Right. And that, like I said, I guess what I said earlier, it's never going to be as high as it is now. Now, obviously, it was much higher before, but moving forward, I mean, this is the, this, this would be the time to do it if you're going to do it. The further you go, you know, the less value it is, but the money is still there. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if on June 2nd something is announced and it may have already been in place for a while. But again, if he's healthy, He's definitely going to make the team better. That's, I mean, that's just a, such a fine line with, you know, with the cap considerations to what these GMs have to have to figure out. Moving on, I mean, there was a story came out. I think we just kind of briefly touched on it uh, before the draft until Aaron Rodgers hijacked the the storyline. There was a word then that Tim Tebow had had worked out for Jacksonville. Now word comes that there's a real strong possibility that they sign him as a tight end. So again, very polarizing guy. He's, what, 32 or 33 years old. He's never played tight end in the NFL. He's a pretty decent-sized dude. Is this just Urban Meyer kind of flexing his muscles, being in charge of Jacksonville, and wanting to bring in a guy that's going to kind of bring his message into the locker room? Why should I care about this, Logan? Why is this a story? It's a story. It's because it's Tim Tebow. Who is he? I mean, sorry, maybe I'm late to the party. Like, 10 years ago, that was a story when he was leading the, the Florida Gators to a championship. But it's a non-story right now. He's never played tight end. He's never stuck in the league for more than a couple of seasons. He did lead the Denver Broncos to the playoffs and a playoff win against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So let's not forget that. But then he flamed out completely. I do think this is Urban Meyer just flexing his muscle because he wants to bring in as many of his guys as possible to the locker room that would you know, translate that message that he's bringing along. Tim Tebow isn't going to make the team, but I think he will help you know, Urban Meyer, inspire those guys that will make the roster during the training camp. But I don't think it's a story at this point. I just, I don't understand why different outlets are trying to make it out to be that, that Tim Tebow is going to be this great comeback story. This wasn't Hollywood. Tim Tebow doesn't have a, com- a comeback left in him. So it's a waste of time to be talking about this, in my opinion. 
Well, it's a potential distraction, you know, a little bit. But, you know, the fact that he's from the Jacksonville area, uh, he played for for Coach Meyer. He's been trying to play, you know, minor league baseball. That didn't work out. But at his age and everything else, you know, working against him, yeah, I mean, he'd be a long shot to make the team at all, especially at a a position that he hasn't played since high school. Let me ask you this. Sure. Why why do we always hear... A new head coach takes the job, whether it's maybe an offensive coordinator getting promoted to being a head coach, whether it's a college coach making the jump to the NFL. Why is it that they always try to bring in so-called their guys? A lot of the times, those moves, they just blow up in your face. You always want to bring in your guys. You're, You're always stuck in the past, and you always have good intentions but when they come over and they're already, they're not 25, they're not in their prime, they're already in their 30s and they should just be riding off into the sunset and be an analyst somewhere for SEC Network or, or Fox Sports somewhere. They, they shouldn't be playing the game. Why do NFL coaches, new NFL coaches, always make this mistake? Well, I think it's a, a level of comfort for, for them. And then in their mind, speeding up the transition of the, again, changing the culture, because that's all you hear every time, you know, a new coach takes over a losing program. You got to change the culture. They're used to losing. It's almost become acceptable. So it has to be changed. And I guess the difference here with Tebow is I don't think there's any expectation whatsoever that he would be a productive player. You know, somebody that they would be relying on. Let's say that. I think it's more of a, again, the the culture builder, somebody that's just going to work his ass off every single day and not really be too worried about anything going on around them. So from that perspective, I think it could be a help. The reason it's a story is just the fact that, again, you know, Tim Tebow is a very polarizing individual off the field, uh, on the field. We all know that he cannot be a, a, an NFL quarterback any longer or really never was and you know had some success. I mean, you talked about that. I guess the, the potential distraction or, or where the kind of the naysayers on this is, I don't, I don't think you have anything to lose here, really. I mean, you're, you're taking somebody else's job. I don't think they're... If he isn't good enough to make the team, they're not going to just put him on the roster. You cannot afford to have a roster position for somebody that's a non-factor. I mean, it's not college football. It's the NFL. You're limited to active guys on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday night or whenever you're playing. If he makes the team, it's it's becomes a great story. I don't I don't know. But I guess the point is, is that from those coaches' perspective, it's a comfort level for them. It also, in their mind, I believe, speeds up the change to their culture, what they believe in and what they feel a player should be doing to make themselves better, to make the team better, to just, you know, progress the franchise onto winning versus being used to losing we won't talk about tim tebow unless he makes the team let's make a deal right now i'll take the high road i'll wish him luck in his journey to to get back to the nfl so i i wish him all the best all right very good we've got some i guess roster battles we'll call them and there are you know all sorts of positions out there where there's there's roster battles at every position on every team somewhat except for 
the position we're going to talk about today and everybody's favorite is the quarterback. You've got probably four situations right now that are going to be very interesting moving into the summer and into coming fall. The obvious ones, I mean, the rookie quarterbacks coming in. I mean, obviously, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, there's really no competition there. Those guys are starting. Don't let anybody fool you. But the others, it may not be so clear. Justin Fields in Chicago. Andy Dalton's there. They only signed him for a year. Uh, They only paid him, I think, $10 million, which, you know, in some cases is backup money. Here we go. They moved. They used a lot of draft capital to move up. Got kind of Matt Nagy and uh, Ryan Pace just kind of hanging by a string here. Did this prolong their time in Chicago just by making the, the ownership allowing them to make this move? So I guess that's the question, really, because is Fields going to get rushed? I don't think so. Is he better than Andy Dalton? We'll see. I and mean, there's probably there's a real good chance. I mean, he's got better traits and everything more physically uh, capable, but Andy Dalton's played in the league. What do you think this one is going to come down to? I think it's going to come down to Nagy and Pace need to prove to Chicago fans, to the franchise, to the ownership, that they're the right people for this job. So they're going to push for Justin Fields. And the reason why I say that is because they're not going anywhere with Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is going to get him to, what, 7-10, and 8-9. and nine. You have to bring in a guy that gives you an extra dimension. And Fields gives you that with his running ability, with his dual threat ability. He can escape. He's got 4-4 speed. He can outrun anybody. He can be that Lamar Jackson type of player. He's going to bring excitement to the team and to the franchise. I understand he's a rookie and and you're going to take the bumps and bruises. He's not always going to be perfect. You're going to have to live and die sometimes with his decision making. But he's going to win you some games. And I just think Chicago, they need to push it. I mean, Nagy needs to adjust his offense towards Justin Fields. And I think you try to make him the quarterback from week one. Just because you want to get everybody excited and back on your bandwagon. Because right now, Nagy and Pace, I mean, you you and I thought that they were going to be gone. Here they get that one last shot. You, you live and die by the rookie quarterback here, Lou. They let them use a lot of draft capital to do it. I, I mean, unless Justin Fields falls flat on his face during camp, I, I believe he's going to be the day one starter. So I'm, I'm with you there. Next one, and again, you know, depending on who you listen to and so forth, is this really a battle? You got to believe because he's a first-round guy. Mac Jones versus Cam Newton. They're not heavily invested into Cam, but he still is a physical specimen. He doesn't have the speed he once had or, or uh, elusiveness, but he's still pretty elusive, and he's still a pretty tough guy on the goal line, so they'll use him in that, in that way. Again, Mac Jones, the wild card here. If he's able to pick up this offense, which, again, from what you understand, these are two different offenses, right? Aren't they going to run a different offense for for Cam than they are Mac Jones? They may have to make this decision sooner than later, right? Because there's no way Mac Jones is going to be able to to run quarterback power or any of those those run options for Cam. So, you know, if, if you're the offensive coordinator, if you're Belichick, you know, whatever, you have to make this decision early, don't you? You're going to see whether Mac Jones is going to be able to pick up the offense quickly. 
during the summer, during training camp. But I do think Cam Newton will start. I don't think Cam Newton is going to last the entire season just because not as much about his play, but it's about his durability. He hasn't proven to be able to stay healthy over the past couple of years. He's not the same player. So I would assume Bill Belichick will go in with a more experienced, more seasoned Cam Newton. But I do think we'll see Mac Jones probably somewhere in October. I mean, that that's probably the outlook that I see there. Yeah, and I guess you know they're known for being a game plan team from week to week. But and I could see that defensively. As far as on the offense goes, it's just so hard when you're when you're backup and starter are so diametrically opposed in how they play the game. Yeah, that's going to be a, a, a neat one to watch unfold because again, first round guy, you're going to they're going to want to see him play at some point. So that that should be a good one. Now this one, you know, they, they swear Garoppolo's the guy. And Lance is going to kind of learn this year. He's only played 17 games. He hasn't played, you know, a full season in you know a year and a half or whatever. He only played one game this past season. But my goodness, he's the number three pick. He, again, gave up a bunch of draft capital. This I think is going to come down to to Jimmy and you know how durable he is. They may want him to start the season. Now, again, with these two guys. The offense is going to be somewhat similar, but I think with Lance, obviously, you're going to see a lot more uh, of the the run options for him, where Garoppolo, not so much. This is going to be a tough one for, for them to keep Lance off the field, even if Garoppolo's kind of managing things, because that defense is going to be a lot better this year. I think those close games uh, that they had are going to lean in their direction because of their defense. I would like to see Lance on the field as quickly as possible uh, just to get him out there and get him acclimated because the defense is so good and they don't have to rely on the quarterback position. They've been so cagey about this whole quarterback thing you know, during the draft process that you know it's, it's really hard to see. But you know, I tend to think Garoppolo will start. You know where I stand on this. I agree with you. I mean, Garoppolo is going to be the starter, and I think – He's going to be starting in 2021. Not a popular opinion, but they drafted Trey Lance number three for the future. He's going to be their quarterback next season. But as you look at this roster, the way they're constructed, when this team didn't have the injuries two years ago, they went to the Super Bowl with Jimmy G. So they're confident that they can get to the playoffs. They're a good enough team if they have all their pieces together. The question mark is, can Jimmy G stay healthy for the entire season? And if he doesn't, obviously that's going to push Lance onto the football field. But I think the plan is for Garoppolo to start in 2021, and then Lance will take over in 2022. Again, maybe not a popular opinion because you think, ooh, a number three pick, you traded up so much to get him, and now you're you're sitting him. Yeah, because the plan is for the future, because Shanahan and John Lynch believe that with this team, with Jimmy Garoppolo out there in the huddle, that they can get back to the playoffs. All right, one of my quote-unquote favorite teams, the Denver Broncos. Yeah, they, they, they drafted a quarterback a few years ago, Drew Locke, in the second round. Really hasn't, I mean, he's shown some flashes and so forth. They, they just uh, made the move for the draft to get Teddy Bridgewater. And, of course, they've been embroiled a bit in this Aaron Rodgers talk. 
let's for a second set aside that Aaron Rodgers is a possibility here, which, you know, it's kind of a pipe dream at this point, but Locke versus Bridgewater. You'd have to believe when they made the move for Bridgewater and the fact that, again, they've improved their defense, getting uh, some players back healthy at the beginning of the year. They bring in the, the corners, Fuller, uh, Sertan Jr. or Sertan II, let me correct myself, in the draft, lead me to believe that they want Bridgewater in there because, they, again, they want to run the ball. They want a quarterback that's going to be more efficient, that's going to manage the game, that's going to be smart throughout and not take unnecessary chances and just try to rely on some God-given ability and erroneously, I guess, in a lot of places as far as Drew Locke is concerned. I just don't know that Locke really is. It's Bridgewater's job to lose. And I'm going to go on a limb and say you agree with me here. I agree with you. As an NFL quarterback, you have to be more consistent. And Locke shows flashes of it, but he doesn't show it on a, on a week-to-week basis. And you need to not turn the ball over. You need to be accurate and to take care of the football. And he, he hasn't shown that. He's shown that maybe over the course of like two or three weeks. And, and maybe the fan base is excited. I mean, these guys are completely, they're completely two different quarterbacks. You know, Bridgewater is a game manager and Locke is this guy with this godly arm that can sling it 70 or 80 yards downfield. And I'm sure that the Denver front office and the coaching staff is hoping that Locke becomes the starting quarterback. I'm sure they're going to try to like pray for it because he can do so many things on the football field and they have the weapons at wide receiver and at tight end. So it's like weapons galore there uh, on the offensive side. But I do think it's Teddy Bridgewater uh, just because I think he'll be able, like you said, take care of the football. You know, they want to run the football. They, they brought in uh, Javante Williams in the second round. They've got Melvin Gordon. They want to establish that, and they want to use Teddy Bridgewater off of those play-action passes. And remember, the GM of the Denver Broncos used to work for the Minnesota Vikings. He was one of the people that was in charge when they took Teddy Bridgewater at the end of the first round. So he's very familiar with him. He believes in Teddy B, even though he he didn't have the best season with the Carolina Panthers. But I do think it's Bridgewater over Locke. Locke is a tease. You know, really, I mean, just the, the good plays, some of the spectacular plays just don't. And they're really not that many. But I guess the flashes, I think, just again, just tease them. He's just not going to be that guy that they expect him to be. You know, again, in the division, you've got Mahomes, you've got Herbert, you've got um, Derek Carr, and now you're sitting there with, I mean, either of these two guys. So I think that's, again, why this whole this whole thing with Aaron Rodgers is, is just, I'm sure, gets them very excited in Denver. The odds of it happening, I believe, are very small. But if it were to happen... Uh, meaning Aaron Rodgers moves on, that seems to be the best landing spot because he's got a ready-made defense, a lot of weapons on offense. Um, it's not quite the West Coast, but you are playing in the you know in a division with some good young quarterbacks, but obviously he would be the senior member there. I think that would be the, the best landing spot for him. But uh, yeah, as far as the way it is now, I think it's Teddy B again, unless he for some reason, just kind of, you know, fizzles during during training camp and Locke turns it up. It's a lot to look for, and uh, we'll be talking more about that as the summer goes on. You've got the uh, 
the announcement of the rest of the schedule tonight. So that's something to look forward to. That's all I got, right, uh, Alex? Anything else? We're going to try to come up with some fun topics during the summer. And, you know, it's going to be dead season as far as football is concerned before we get to training camp. But it's always good to to talk about these positional battles, these QB battles, even if we're like a couple of months before it actually happens during training camp. So always a pleasure to talk some football with you every week. Very good, sir. That's going to do it for us this week. Catch us next week for another rousing conversation on pros like us. Until then, peace!